It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Hello and welcome to the Loose Focus podcast with me, your host, John Graham. Uh, once again, many thanks for taking the time to either download or listen to this content. Um, and if you're struggling to find it anywhere, then obviously YouTube channel and anywhere you would normally download your podcast, you'll be able to find us, I'm sure. Um, it's been a while, but uh, I think if there was ever a week to uh, get involved, it's definitely this one because so many people did at the weekend on and off the pitch um, in true, true Blues fashion, which uh, I have to say was fabulous to see. Before we get into it, uh, Carl, um Good to see you, mate. Long time no see. Yeah, long time indeed. Good to good to be back. Good to get the boys back together. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I think I think we'll, we'll we'll judge that from the comments. And uh, Tom, <laughs> uh, I mean, wow, we've we've, we've moved on from uh, the, the the sort of roulette takeaway onto uh, just items from the club shop. So uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, the, <laughs> I see. I couldn't wear this on any other podcast realistically, so. I might as well choose one where I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. I think I think ten, 10 out of ten for the for the effort. I like it. Um, right. Um, let, let's not waste any more time. Um, I think the the thing, obviously, we need we need to I guess cover off to start off with was the. I think over the last couple of weeks has been a big build up to this game, not necessarily to do with anything on the pitch, but more to do with the ownership of the club. And uh, yeah, I have to say, looking at. Um, the numbers of people that protested and, you know, met down in Digbeth and walked up to the grounds. 
Um, I just think just tremendous effort from from everybody. And, and Tom, you can probably uh, give me a lot more detail of what it was boots on the ground. But I think from oh <laughs> all, all, all of the, the Blues fans that are sort of, you know, weren't involved but watching on social media, then um, I think, you know, massive thanks to everybody that did get involved because I think it's come to the time now where, you know, it's getting beyond a joke, I think is, uh, to put it mildly. And there's been a builder. Uh, of that there's been absolutely no doubt and I think now it's got to a point where you know I think direct action is needed um, and, and what we get out of it time will tell but uh, I'll go to you Tom as you were there so just talk me through Jim, just talk me through what happened and the atmosphere and um, yeah how did it all go? Well I'll, I'll tell you this the story from my point of view. Um, which you didn't is... wear that did you? No, I didn't. No, I, should, I, I have actually been thinking, do you know what? I hope we do like a, a crazy fancy dress of flag day away day or something like we did at Preston a few years ago, because I would totally wear this. <laughs> this would be my outfit for the day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, uh, I, was, uh, I was hoping to make the protest um, because I was, I was waiting at the train station for my granddad to get off the train from Redditch and um yeah, it was like 10 minutes to go. I was like, shit, I'm not going to make it, am I? I'm going to miss it. Um, but no, luckily enough, I literally got there like two minutes before it started. And I instantly thought a lot more people turned up than I expected because uh, these things have been planned before and they haven't got quite worked out. I think the last time this sort of thing happened, only like 10 people turned up. Um, so I can tell you quite comfortably well over a thousand were there. I, I know... Um, I think Birmingham Mail or Birmingham Police said it was just over 500. It was not just over 500. There were so bloody many. Uh, it was it was great. The atmosphere was amazing. Everyone was buzzing. It was all for the right reasons. You know, it never got out of hand. Everyone just had a good time, uh, enjoyed it. A few flares, big sing song and uh, marched down to the ground. It was great, really enjoyed it. And then obviously it probably got a little bit more tense when uh, it all started kicking off at the reception. But again, nothing... You know, no one was harmed. Nothing was necessarily bad, um, unless you got hit on the head by a flare that was through in the air. There were a few of those, <laughs> but overall, it was a good atmosphere. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know you, you make the point that there's, it was incredibly well attended, and maybe been a, a bit of a, a few false dawns on this one. But Carl, do, would you agree that I, I think that the numbers that turned out really does sort of drive home. I guess the pretty much 99% of all fans' feelings about what's happening behind the scenes in the club. And as I said earlier, you know, I think it's just got to a point where, you know, enough is enough and whatever. And, and as somebody a lot more intellectually uh, adept than me once said, but by any means necessary. And I think we probably got there. So um, what, what do you think, Carl, about it all? It was spot on. It was done in the right way, you know, and, and I was really glad to see that, you know, from where I was with it and from where I was in the ground, there was no, you know, there was nothing nasty brought into it in terms of race or anything like that. But it it was needed, you know, and I think the message got through and it was kind of hard for them to not ignore that. It's easy to, you know, ignore a hashtag on social media. It's good. It's easy enough to do that, isn't it? You know, you can mute certain phrases. You can uh, go around blocking people, including local journalists and fans all you want. But you know, it really hammered home that this isn't an issue that's going to go away. Um, it's an issue that needs to be looked at and that we want the answers. We have 
we haven't progressed is probably the politest way to put it at all in the last five years. Although apparently we're at the start of another three-year plan, five years into it, but never Can't mind. wait, mate, can't wait. The last one we were supposed <laughs> to be in the Champions League with Jude Bellingham returning. Exactly. So um, it's, you know, I think the message is, if it hasn't been heard, it's certainly on, it's certainly stoked that fire, if that makes sense. And I agree with some of the comments. I don't think there's any way this hasn't been picked up by the uh, puppet masters back at, Hong Kong and wherever and I think it is absolutely the right time and the fact that the numbers showed up that did shows the strength of feeling behind it all yeah from where uh, I'm sat I, I think it's um <clears throat> probably worth mentioning that I guess culturally um the ownership I, I think once you've got that sort of um I guess profile in business or just in in life in general then you know you you should be really be commanding respect um however i think when you're operating in a different culture environment especially with football and you're dealing with a lot of fans that come from a, a working class background i don't think they fully understand that for lots and lots of people every match day and everything in between is what we're all living for and what what makes a massive difference to all of us and you know now we've we've made a very direct i think protest you know i think you know it, it culturally in china and certainly in the far east it can fall on deaf ears because the masses don't really have a say but it's different here um and we haven't done it and i think tom you know it's great here that he didn't get to a any racial connotations because it, it that's irrelevant the reality is that there's been a lot of false promises and don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm certainly not going to defend them, but you know, they didn't inherit Manchester city. They didn't buy Manchester city. And I think they made under, you know, the, the previous chief exec, some just horrendous decisions that have just financially shaped where we are. But for me, um, I, I think it will have an impact quite, quite how much only time will tell, but what, what do you just back to you, Carl, what, what do you think the, Without, let's let's assume they're not going because they probably aren't anytime soon. So forget the the bullshit of the fans' forums and just trotting out the same things over and over again. What do you think they? And bearing in mind we haven't got an endless amount of money, what do you think they can do? You know, if if you if we were going to try and part, give a little bit of advice of, you know, this is what we're looking for. What do you think that is? What do you think they could do? Well, I think it's twofold, isn't it? It's first of all although they trotted out that we're going to get better with communication again, which to point out, they said that in the summer, if you remember, and this time last year and the year before that, that is ultimately what it needs to be. And I understand the cultural differences, but over here, fans expect to be informed of what's happening with their club because we are that club. We are the DNA. We'll still be there when they've sold us in, hopefully sooner rather than later, but let's say five years. By the time they've gone, we're still going to be going to hopefully what is left of St Andrews so you know it's they need to let us know what is going on they need to, they have to communicate with the club uh, with the club supporters even you know and so I think that is really important and whether that comes from the owners whoever they may be Zhang, Craig Gardner, freaking Ian Dunn whoever it is someone has got to communicate ultimately you know I see other fans on other clubs' social media asking questions around tickets or things like that. And they get responses from their clubs, Coventry being the best example of that that I've seen. Our club goes silent. They don't do anything like that. So it's just that that little bit of 
supporter engagement. I think back to when Monk was around and in charge, how much the fans felt like we were part of the club. And I think that needs to be a really key focus. I think the other focus for me personally, let's ignore the playing squad and all that, is not just the staging. We know that's got to be fixed. But the match day experience in general, do you know what I mean? Apparently, the um, sort of my old man, uh, we met at the ground on uh, Saturday. We went to kind of different places and stuff before the game. Apparently, there were a couple of burger bars open around the main stand side this time outside of the actual ground, but still kind of in the ground, if that makes sense. Yeah. But things like that, you know, there, there needs to be the experience just isn't there anymore. I used to love rocking up because obviously going to St Andrews, for me, it's a, it's a day out, like a really big day out because obviously I live so far away from it. And it used to be so exciting when I used to turn up there. I used to love the, the smell of the burgers, and I think we all do. But that's all gone, and it's just the general, oh, what are we going to get served up this time? You can't hear the tannoy half the time in any of the stands, regardless of where you sit. So just the match day experience has to be so much better because we need to, not just for, for us fans, you know, us older fans and the young fans, but the kids who are coming, you know, are five, six, seven and coming for the first ever visit. They need to be grasped because they're the future of the club. So yeah. I think for me, those are two key aspects that really need to be looked at. Yeah, and and again, I'm I'm gonna I'm not playing devil's advocate, but <clears throat> I think you know we can. There are probably two sides to the argument, but the one thing I would say, and this is where I think this is one of the reasons it's really really disappointing now, is that when Boya came in. And um, let's park the issues with the stadium because I think, you know, that's a completely different argument altogether. The comms did get better. And I remember seeing on social media, lots of fans saying, is this our club? We're not used to this. And it just seems to me that they seem to, at times, do the right thing. But I think that the, the, the challenge is that they know what to do, but when the problems occur, whether it be... We sell, we sell players or we don't bring the right players in or we're on a bad run or the stadium is falling down. They lock down because there are so many negatives. They're like, well, we're just not, we're just completely go silent. And, and that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. So I, I think, Tom, anything that, do you think there are any easy wins for them? Or do you, do you think that the, well, there's not really been a relationship, but, you know, where, where what would you be saying to them? Um, I, I'd have a lot to say, to be honest, but um, <laughs> I think realistically, we've just got to a point now where they're playing the same old tune and everyone's sick of it. And, you know, they could they could say they're going to try and be better. But for one, yes, we've heard that before. And two, I think we're past that point of repair now. Um, and I think that showed in the protests, you know, people are sick of it now, they're done with it. You could feel it in the atmosphere at St Andrews. There was one moment where literally everyone rose to their feet, everyone in the stadium rose to their feet, chanting straight at Airboy Cheng, and it was just brilliant. It was brilliant. And you really felt that finally everyone realised how shit this is. And to be honest, I feel like the biggest, probably the biggest, I suppose, drive of this new sort of protest has been the recent articles coming from Al Majir, uh, Daniel Ivory. Um, <laughs> and one obviously standout would be Dong Ren using the club credit card on his Netflix and, st- and stuff like that. It's, it's like, right, okay, this is great. This is top stuff. Really what you want to hear from a professional football club. And then you see your current, you know, chief executive of the club, Edward Cheng, tweeting to other fans on Twitter, oh, I am a bit naughty sometimes. And it's like, 
a bloke saying that is running our football club <laughs> and I am a tad worried. So, no, I think everyone's just had enough now. Like, they keep embarrassing themselves. Like, they're, they're their own worst enemy and the circus needs to stop. Um, and obviously, you do, to understand the situation, I, I do feel like you have to do a bit of digging and to really understand where the frustration comes from. Because, you know, you could just sort of lay it out flat and look at the sort of the easy parts and think, oh, they invested this much money then. Obviously, it hasn't worked out. Um, you know, obviously, they've clearly invested, though. So what, what's the problem? And it's like, yeah, but look what happened when we did invest. We ended up in trouble with the EFL, points deductions, um, <laughs> different ideas, sort of managerial-wise. We'll never truly know what happened with Gary Monk, to be honest. Um, or we won't for a very long time. And that's still a very sort of split pathway in itself. Um, there's just too much. There's too much. So much failure. And I think the per, the part that will always make it worse, and I think everyone, every Blues fan knows where they were the day Gary Rowett was sacked, because of where we were at that time as a club and the squad we had was so close and tight-knit. Like, just to go and spoil that, to <laughs> make that classic sort of new ownership statement. It's like what Hull are about to do. It looks like they might be parting ways with Grant McCann. And I think that's a stupid thing to do. I think Grant McCann has worked with his hands tied behind his back for a while now. And you think if you were him, you'd be thinking, oh, great, it's finally coming in and sort of stuff you get backed. But no, and I do think that's a common problem with general ownership in English football these days. They think, oh, yeah, let, let's change the manager. This will, this will be, make me feel like I'm making a great decision. No, that's not what you need to do. You just need to come in and steady the ship, invest gradually and invest the right way. Don't sack off the whole scouting team and then employ your mate who probably lives in his bedroom in France um, and go, oh, this Sam Cosgrove looks good because he scored like 18 goals in one Scottish public season. It's like, yeah, great, nice one. Which, by the way, the amount of goals Sam Cosgrove has scored in the Scottish division says it all about how high a level of football that actually is. And I've always been quite clear on this point that Celtic and Rangers wouldn't survive in the championship. They would struggle, but that is an argument in itself. Um, but no, there's just been so many mistakes, constant mistakes, and you can't even just blame it all on Dong anymore. It's them as a regime. And also the most annoying part is they are faceless at the end of the day. We, we, we're so in the dark and I, I think we're all just sick of it now. It doesn't feel normal. And you'll always have that worry that something bad is around the corner. And we don't need that anymore. We've had enough of it. I'm sick of it. And just quickly, before I wrap up on my point, that's very lengthy. So I apologise. <laughs> um, you know, what Carl said about the match day experience, it's bang on. I was actually talking about this the other day to a couple of fans outside the ground. You don't hear um, blue nose fanzine, match day badges at the Coventry Road anymore. It's gone. He's gone. Badge man is gone. Um, and all the burger vans going up Coventry Road are all gone as well. It's, it's just everything's been stripped and it doesn't feel the same anymore. You know, even as little as being in the concourse, they don't even have the telly on anymore. Like I loved going in the concourse, getting a beer and watching Sky. Like, you know, because there normally is a game on and you get to catch like the last five or ten minutes of it. Um, so, no, I'd, 
it, a lot of things have been changed and ruined and just the whole soul of the place has been ripped apart and we just we just need a change and i think the best change is a fresh start new ownership hopefully not as shit as like the last 20 years of ownership it, it, has been it is a quick one and you know don't just flippantly say yes but uh mike ashley I knew you were going to bring this up. I had a feeling that you were going to bring up Mike Astley today. And I don't care if he renames the stadium, the sport, uh, the St. Andrews Sports Direct Stadium. I couldn't give a shit. Just at least we before. know what Sports Direct is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least you know. we know who owns us. If he's winning, if he's willing to invest £50 million in Jolinton, then I, I have full faith in the man. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Carl, would, would you... Because, I mean, you know, I, I'll, I'll show my age here and... and I, when I first started to see, a little bit after I first started game, but when the Kumar brothers ran Blues, uh, and this is probably the only point of reference I can I can give, because it was so bad. Really, I didn't understand the club, didn't understand anything. Um, and it was an absolute farce while they're in charge. Um, and, and it is, you know, it is now for, for lots and lots of different reasons. Um, but... You know, and I was also there when people were calling for the golds and everybody else. And coming from the Kumars to that, you know, new stadium, albeit probably not the best contractors in hindsight. Um, it, it was a night and day shift. Investment, players, managers fit for the purpose at the time. You know, Fry, Francis, um, Steve Bruce. There was always that progress. There was always seemed like the three-year plan, five-year plan, seven-year plan, it seemed like it was real and they talked about it. I think with what we have at the moment, I mean, Tom, you, you alluded to it. You would not have Mike Ashley give somebody like Harry Redknapp the keys to the kingdom. You wouldn't because there's just no way that, you know, when we went in and basically paid Brentford to build their new ground, which we've basically fucking done, and not only pay through the nose for three, well, a player that's gone, a player that is going to go, and a player that's, in fairness, been decent for the club. But when they signed, the cumulative earnings were about 100 grand a week for those three players. So I think they were naive. So again, they've been burned and they don't want to be burned again. But I just think it's that complete and utter lack of understanding of what's needed and, and Tom I make you absolutely right with, with Robert and I was thinking about it today when we were you know, just sort of thinking about what we we're going to talk about and I, I, I think for me Boya is got more than capable of getting us to that knocking on yeah. the door I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that I genuinely do um, and, and that seemed to be quite a way away for a number of seasons but ultimately, it's it's going to be what's behind him and upstairs. And so, Carl, I mean, do you think that a, a Mike Ashley would be fit for purpose now? And whether it would be that his five-year plan is improve the club, get us up and sell us for four times the amount, probably to another bunch from Hong Kong. Yeah, no, no, like, hey. Um, do you know what? I think it is at that point because ultimately whatever the issues were with him and Newcastle, the Newcastle fans, at least he is a, he's a face, he's a businessman and he knows what he's doing. You know, Sports Direct, okay, with arguments under, 
you know, zero contract hours, whatever else there is. They're a business. He knows what to do. Do you know what I mean? He isn't going to do what has happened here where, you know, the stadium has fallen apart, where there isn't the investment in the match experience because he knows that if the match experience is good for fans, they're going to spend their money, aren't they? And that money helps revenue for the club, which means he can keep investing. In. And it's it's a complete thing. And I think our owners don't quite get that. And I absolutely would. And I, similar to the time I had a conversation with, um, I think it was a couple of my uh, mates that I kind of um, like play FIFA with online and, and stuff like that. And we were talking about it and he was like, would you really take it? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Because ultimately, well, not only that, whilst he wasn't necessarily incredible at Newcastle, whatever their views on him are, they were still top end of the championship and Premier League for all of his tenure. Yeah. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? So he knows what it means to own a club in England. And I think that that is essentially what you need. You need someone who doesn't just get the business acumen. I think this is really crucial here. It's someone that gets the football side as well. Yeah. Or will surround himself with people that do. And I think that is one of the biggest issues we've had is that they've tried to run it the way that they might run a business elsewhere. And obviously a football club is completely different to that business. Yeah. And, and you, I think with, with him, um, did he put his hand in his pocket? Yeah, absolutely he did. Um, but the difference between us and Newcastle, there is no, I, I don't I don't believe, and I, I wouldn't want to speak for everybody, we know what we are and we know where we are. We don't feel it any level of entitlement at all. Our expectations, I think, are probably realistic. I think if you ask most Blues fans that, you know, between our age groups from, you know, 20 up to 50, then we've all had a bit of thick and thin. I've probably had a bit more thin than, than you two. But, um, you know, ultimately, challenging for the playoffs and every now and again getting a promotion, you know, that's been the way forever. It's only really been recently that we've just been nowhere near it. So I don't think if you've got where the Mike Ashley piece fell apart with Newcastle is because they wanted to go back to being in the Champions League. Well, you know... Unfortunately, when they were playing in the Champions League, you didn't have a Man City with the money they've got. You didn't have, you know, a, a, a very, very strong Chelsea. You know, that was pre-Abramovich. You got people, you know, Spurs spending a billion pound on this stand. It's a whole, it's a whole, my ground, sorry. It's a whole different landscape completely. Yeah. But I just genuinely believe the one constant we blues is we know where we are and we know where we're at. And, you know, the last five years haven't been good enough, even on those very manageable expectations. We're not asking for the world. But I think what we are asking for is, you know, I know, yeah, they got absolutely burnt by Harry Redknapp's spending spree. But since then, we've had a decent chunk of change in for two really good players to the tune of probably, probably close to 50 million and 30. And, you know, we've sold, you know, we've signed fucking Jonathan Lecco. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's just... That that is not for anybody. You know, Mike Ashley or pick anyone. That isn't where anybody's expectation is. You know, a bit bit of investment. You know, being able to buy Riley McGree when it's blindingly obvious what's required: two million, twenty-five grand a week. He would have never left the club. He would never left the car park. So you know, it, it's just things like that where they just does they seem to be bereft of. Really, really easy wins at the moment. So uh, for me, I, I think that the short-term measure, and, and Carl, we briefly talked about it before we came on, what seems to me 
They've got the right manager, and we'll talk about him probably next. I'm absolutely over the moon with the job that Craig Gardner's doing. I didn't think he had it in him, I'll be brutally honest. So that's, you know, that's that's me being completely wrong. Bringing Martin O'Connor into the club is a no-brainer. So you've got that bang on. And it sort of it, it contradicts what they're doing because it seems to be, whether that's Bowie having a lot of control purely on the playing side, it seems to me that must be happening because, you know, the board ain't recruiting Martin O'Connor. I can promise you, they don't even know who he is. So there's there's control there. And if they would just go one further step and appoint a chief exec that knows the game, doesn't have to be you know, shit whether he's English or not, but knows the game, pedigree in some sort of European football decent league, that's run a club, that knows how to communicate and can be the go-between between the fans and the owners. So we've always got somebody. I just don't understand why they wouldn't do it because they've got to see that silence, just a closed, closed shop mentality is killing them because, you know, that protest in front of the director's boxes or the you know director's seats, I'm telling you, nobody wants that. And if I know blues like I do, that's happening every single home game. This, and it will get worse. This it, irrelevant, irrelevant of the scores. Because, as I said, Blues fans, once they get to a point, it's over. And as much as I've tried to play devil's advocate, I want them out. 100% I want them out because they've made too many mistakes. Uh, and the, the, the policy with players and not signing players and everything else, you know, enough's enough. But let's try and look at the positives from the weekend and certainly from uh, the protest. I was getting a little bit concerned. There seemed to be a few people, quite a a growing amount of people that were calling for Bowyer. And, and I, I swear to God, I don't know anybody, anybody can, can get to that point. So for me, delighted that he got so, so much support uh, before the game and certainly during the game. I haven't heard that for a long time at St Andrews. So just over the moon with that. And that will probably put his mind at rest a little bit where the, where the anger is, is levelled and it certainly isn't at him. So, Tom, do you, do you still think that he is the man? Have you got any concerns, or where, where do you where do you think we are with him? Uh, no, I do. Th- I fully believe he is the man to take us forward on the pitch. Um, I think what fans probably get frustrated with the most is the formation. Um, that that's that's quite evident, and some people, you know, will jump into that bow you're out category if we lost one game. We could lose to Fulham and not lose a single game all season. And there would be one knobhead who's like, oh, I'll break you out. It's not the right way. We need to play 4-4-2. It's like, yeah, right, yeah, cool. Nice one, mate. Move on. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I have I did get to a point sort of like, okay, look, every time we seem to switch to a four at the back, we play better. So, you know, I, I think obviously we saw at the weekend when we did beat Barnsley, we did switch to that form and we won the game. That's, that's as simple as it's as simple as it sounds. I do think that, you know, four at the back won't get you very far sort of in this league now if you want to push those top ends because every single top team is playing five at the back now. Like it, wing backs has become so popular. And to be honest, it was more or less ever since Wolves did it a few years ago. Everyone sort of followed suit. Um, and you, you see them all doing it. Um, so, uh, 
you know, I do feel like it's the right system to play later down the line, but we've just not actually brought in the players to play it. And that is also another slight frustration is, you know, if we want to play that system, why do we keep bringing in players that necessarily don't fit it? Like Onel Hernandez on paper does not fit the system we actually play. Um, But I'm glad we signed him because he's an absolute baller. Um, But, you you know, it just doesn't... Sometimes you just question, like, are we actually looking at building sort of a team or are we just trying to get through the season? Because that's how it feels now. I think we're just trying to get by um, for this season. But does it feel like there'll be any investment later down the line? Obviously, Boyer has clearly been lied to about investment, let's face it. Um, And I don't think that lie will ever change. So it's, it's hard to sort of have the belief that we're looking at the future when so many clubs beat us to signings all the time now. Like, you know, Bidwell going to Coventry, um, James Hill going to Bournemouth. And now I need to be brutally honest with the James Hill one as well. You look at Bournemouth squad, James Hill isn't getting into that back line. And I think, or at least not for a long time. And Bournemouth are a tiny club. Bournemouth are tiny. Blues compared to Bournemouth is like you know, a bin compared to a bloody Empire State building. Like, they're just so different. Like, Blues are huge compared, but Bournemouth have good owners and they've got football people in the club. Whereas with our owners, someone has gone, oh, let's buy this club. It'll look great on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and be a great listing for us, lads. Um oh, shit, we have to employ people to go and look after it. Oh, okay, some of my best mates from, like, school and stuff when we used to probably play fucking Squid Game or something, and, you know, <laughs> he's probably, he's just gone, oh, Chengi, yeah, you, you, you'd be good at a football club. What's a football club? Oh, you'll find out. Um, and that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like, the sort of people we've put in charge. It doesn't feel like you look at their, their actual job history They've done nothing like this ever. Like, there's no experience. Even with Dong Ren, there was no CEO experience, particularly anywhere near football. And Edward Chang's the same. There's no experience. Hmm. And we wonder why we're in tatters. It's because we have embarrassments behind the scenes. And, you know, they have tried at times, and you have to sort of look at some small positives that they have done, um, which is great but look at the large amount of negatives and one definitely outweighs the other. And I just can't be bothered anymore. I'm so sick of it. It's just depressing. Everything's been stripped and I want them gone. I'm finished. I did go and join in with that protest in front of the director's area, to be fair. And the only person I felt sorry for was Craig Gardner because, you know, he can't exactly just be... I was going to say, he probably wouldn't get involved, mate. Exactly. Like, I'm sure, you know, he might have his own feelings about it, but at the end of the day, Cheng's his boss. He can't really do much. And you want someone like Craig Gardner at the club, so you'd never want that to be jeopardised. Because we're lucky that there is is even, you know, someone that we, we know of as our technical director. They could have just gone and pulled some random bloke from Cambodia or something. I don't know. But, but, I, but I think on that, there, does come, there always comes a point where I think that they've got whatever asset it is, they've got to protect it. And however, don't get me wrong, they would they would prefer to have anybody other than Boya. I'm, I'm absolutely certain. They'd want a yes man that would implement all their ideas. But over time, they've understood that they don't actually know what they're doing. 
And as soon as they try and take a bit of control, the whole thing goes to shit. So this, I think, is them kicking and screaming. Um, and they, I have no doubt they've got it in the locker to bin him out. They, they could blow him into the weeds at any point, and it wouldn't surprise me. They'd probably do it to piss us off, to be honest. I wouldn't surprise well, but, me. But, you know, but this is, again, it ultimately comes down to what motivation is there for them to do that? Because all it is going to be is a cost. You know, they, they, all they're going to do is hemorrhage money, and it'll probably go into administration to lose it anyway. So I don't really... I think, like I said, there seems to be progress with the people that they've got in on the footballing side. So, Carl, are you still happy with, with Boya? Yeah, 100%. I think I wish he'd follow his own advice sometimes. You know, he came in last season. I know his directive was to keep us up by any means necessary. And the first thing he said in his very first interview was keep it simple. Yeah. And that's that. And, and I agree. I'm not sure that four at the back is the way to go for, for the modern football club. Um, yeah. But, like, Ultimately, we don't have the players to play the system that the, the big boys want to play and that Bowie wants to play. So you, you literally have to go back to playing to your strengths. And look what happened at the weekend. We went to four at the back with four in the middle and the big man-little man combo up front. And what happened? We won 2-1. And we should have won more. You know, we should have had th- two, three goals more than we did have. And I think that I just wish that he wouldn't... It Sometimes it feels he's beating a bit of a dead horse. Do you know what I mean? Like he will get the the system in, whether it's working or not. And it, that's my only real frustration is that, and, and I that Tom obviously mentioned that, that's where it is. But other than that, I think he is the right man for the job. I think players have bought into him as a manager with the exception of maybe a couple, which obviously are, are no longer in or around the squad on a regular basis, it would seem. So yeah, I think he is. And, and like we, you sort of said before, John, before we came on, who else is there that we would want in. Who who else? And yeah, there are managers out there in the, the ether sort of mixing around, but who else really is there? Do you know what I mean? Bowie gets the club, he gets the fans. And like you said, with O'Connor coming back, with uh, Craig Garner at technical director, with other people, I think one of the academy bosses has got links to Blues previously as well. So with these people coming in who get the club, why wouldn't you want someone in that role who gets it? And I think one of our biggest problems is keeping sacking managers. You can't build yeah. anything if you keep sacking managers and you hemorrhage money by paying them off. I dread to think how much money we have spent sacking managers yeah. that could have been used to by Riley McGree. Yeah. You know, I dread like to know Karanka's payout. Oh, that yeah. turns my stomach. Well, I mean, it, you know, it'll be well into seven figures. Yeah. Um, I, 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 would, I, I would stick with him for now, for sure. Yeah, and I, I, I just don't think that... I, I don't think he's, you know, you, in any any walk of life, you want to have the 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 ability to control your own destiny, to make decisions, be responsible for those decisions, be accountable for those decisions, whether they are, if they're good, fantastic, you know, you'll see the results, you'll get improved contracts. If they're a shower of shit, you put your hands up and say, Do you know what, I got that wrong. And, and you know, he hasn't had that yet. He, he still hasn't had that. Um, and I think, you know, just moving on to, I think, and it's linked to the owners, of course it is, and and it's this, over the last, I don't know, for a long long time, I think given the the financial situation, the club, this reliance on loan players, um, and I think with Boyer and and Gardner, and, and, you know, I'll I'll let you guys sort of maybe highlight a few, um, just made a real positive difference to, to what we're about. 
but obviously it's a double-edged sword, you know, lone players, when they come and, they, and it comes off, then you, you lose them. Or if they get injured, then they've made a massive difference. Then you know it, it, it's the same result. But but I, what the one thing I, I would say about Boya and, and one one of the main reasons I think he's got a bit a big future at the club. You know he's not scared to make a decision. So how many managers wouldn't make the Harley Dean decision? How many managers? It was obviously really pers- had a personal link with with Leco. I think he absolutely was desperate for him to succeed, gave him every single chance that he could. But when push came to shove, he got him out of there. Same with Anike. I mean, again, I think we all said would have absolutely loved Anike to become a cult hero at the club because he's a bit of a throwback player. He isn't good enough. He isn't good enough in front of goal. And it is as simple as that, in my view. So you get him in for nothing. And, you know, there may be more to it than that. Maybe, ultimately, you know, Charlton have come back in and give us 300 grand. We want 300 grand. It's irrelevant what we think about him as a player. But to me, we've cut our, loss, our losses, probably haven't lost on the deal. You get him out and you get somebody else in, like like uh, Hernandez, maybe just on loan. So I, that's, for me, is one thing that I really like about Bowyer. He's not scared to make a decision that's going to be difficult where he may lose a bit of face over it because so many managers just keep, pl- we've had them just keep plugging away all of the time. And, you know, and he hasn't had, you know, one of the, I guess the only shining star from, from last season in Sanchez, he hasn't had it. So, and I'm not saying whether he'd fit, I don't know whether he'd fit. I'm, I've now lost. I have no idea what the best system is. I don't know where I'd play. Whereas, you know, when we first started this fucking journey about a year ago, I sort of knew what we were doing. And now I, I think that you see these lone players coming in and you see what's possible. But, you know, you're then down the McGree road. And it's like, what is the point? I think I said on the last pod, you know, what's the point of playing him if he's going to go? Because all we're going to do is rely on him. And then when he goes, it's like, well, what are we going to do now? And that's exactly what happens. I didn't quite think it was going to happen the way it did, but it did happen. So, um, Tom, j- just on the loan signings um just talk well talk us through the business that we've done and talk us through where you think we're going to go because we're linked with another shitload of players and you, you you're far far better positioned to give the give the, the lowdown on that than i am yeah i think you know you look at the players we signed in this january window um the loan signings are all good deals like they are good deals but obviously the frustration is you know we need Actual players, you know, we need permanent players that are assets of Birmingham City Football Club. Um, and all you know, it's great getting the loans in, but then they'll probably go on to different things next season. Um, <clears throat> I can I can sort of understand if their their contract runs out at the end of the season. That sort of makes sense. Bringing them in on loan might make us, you know, more of an appealing place to call them if you've already played here for a bit. Um, so if you targeted those kind of players, then it would be sort of a, a good method. Uh, Mengi's been good so far. I think he's been one of the faster def- central defenders we've seen at Blues for a long time. Um, this is he's, ridiculous, isn't it? Exactly. He's acrobatic. He's strong. But for me, mo- <laughs> my, my biggest sort of plus... No, but you should see him. <laughs> the, the, the way he jumps, everything just his general athleticism is better than we've, I know we've ever had. He's not a ball playing centre back, that's for sure. He, well, he not, said he was. 
He's not great. He said he might. Have we coached that out? I'm not. Already? I'm not having any of that. Every time he kicks the ball, he toe pokes it. So I'm not. I'm not hearing <laughs> from him that he's a ball playing side back. He's not been bad on the ball, to be fair. But he's just not looked natural. I'll give him that. Um, but no, I'd say the only thing he's really struggled from is uh, defending, sort of clearing headers and defending crosses. I think that's probably one of been been one of his weaker sides. But he has players around him that are quite good at that. You know, Mark Roberts being one of those names. Um, so yeah, there's things for him to work on. But so far, he's just been very refreshing in that back line. Uh, whereas Dion was a lot better with the ball to feet, better dribbler of the ball. Um, but I'd actually say Mengi was a better defender. Um, and I think we have more chance of seeing Mengi return into Blues in the future than we would Sanderson, sadly. Um, and it does sound, by the sounds of things, we could have had Sanderson back, but because Mengi's been so good, we've chose not to, um, which is obviously a shame, but it, it, that's football, really. Um, as for Taylor Richards, was fantastic at League One level with Doncaster, looks the real player, Um but it's just annoying that we're signing players on loan who can't actually play for like a month after we've signed them. <laughs> so it's like, why are we looking at injured players? Why are we splashing the very short wage bill we have on players that are injured? Like, don't get me wrong, he's a good talent, but right now it's it, it just didn't really make much sense. Um, but I'm sure I'll eat my words when he does eventually play because he, from what I've seen, he does look like the real deal, but championship is a big jump from League One um, and obviously academy football anyway. So we'll have to wait on that one. But overall, they were decent loan signings. And then Onel Hernandez, I think we all know the quality he possesses and from what we've seen from him already, how much he offers in this squad. We'd be we'd have lost to Barnsley without him. I'm convinced of it, realistically. His pace is electric. He's very much like a Dharma Traore in the way he shakes off players. It's like he's wearing baby oil down his arms. Like he just squeezes through the tightest of gaps and he'll take on two or three players and get past them all. So, no, it's refreshing. Uh, definitely offers us something different, something we've needed. And he's clinical. So, uh, and a likable character, a proper blue sort of cult hero character. So, I look forward to seeing what Arnel Hernandez has to bring. And obviously, his contract runs out at the end of the season. So, if we could find some pennies in the pocket, then maybe we could bring in a half-decent player, which would be nice. Um, so, no, overall, the loan signings we got at the moment aren't too bad, but there are still improvements to be made. It does look like we're going to make one loan and one permanent before the January window shuts. Um, and one of them will be a striker and more than likely a central midfielder. So we'll just have to watch this space, see what happens. Um, but obviously we've been linked with Casey Palmer quite heavily. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like that one wouldn't make sense from what the on the technical football side of things are saying the sort of players they want to bring in. But, you know, if, if Boya feels it would improve the squad, which it probably would, then we'll, we'll just go with it. But when they all come back from injury at once, including Chong, our, our team's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, unfortunately, it'd be a bit too late, wouldn't it? And they'll yeah, literally. We'll build again. Um, Carl, any, I'm just on that loan piece. I mean, it, it obviously isn't sustainable, but I think we, we sort of are where we are. Um, but do you, do you think they seem to be getting it right more than they're getting it wrong? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that out of all the loan signings that we've had in, we could probably say there's only really been one dud. And that was obviously Castillo. They got that yeah. one wrong. And, yeah. you know, I think 
to be fair to Boya and Gardner, um, they've both said they got that one wrong. So, if, you know, and it comes back to the losing face. They both held their hands up and said, you yeah. know, that wasn't I think right. Dodd is being kind as well. <laughs> I've never seen yeah. someone so unnatural on a ball in my life. I, I have a look at being... on his right foot. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> I Without giving the lad disrespect, I'm not sure how he is at Chelsea. How he's a Chelsea player. I don't get it. I if really he can don't be a fucking it. Chelsea player, I can be a Chelsea player. <laughs> Precisely. Me too. I, I, could, um, I could wear this and still get in. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably could for Blues, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but I think, other than that, they have all been great. You know, generally, I mean, they've all given us something. And it is where we are, unfortunately. It's not right. It's not sustainable. And it does mean that the transition or rebuilding or whatever fancy label they want to put on it is going to be harder because not only are you losing all these loan players at the end of the season, probably, or sometimes during, as we have done, you're then trying to let players go, our own players go. So you're actually got to sign almost double the amount of players. You know, you think the amount of loan signs we've got, we've got four, five now, I think it is, something like that. that that's half a starting eleven. That's yeah. half a first team. We're only actually allowed one more. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's half a team, you know. So, But it is where we are. If it's what keeps us going and keeps us in the league for this season and, and all that kind of spiel, then we've just got to deal with it. But so far, I think they've been on. And I think with the exception of maybe Cosgrove and Anike, well, Cosgrove wasn't a, a Bowyer signing, was he or a Gardner thing, but like with the exception of maybe Anike, who I think, like you said, we were all desperate for, generally the signings have been fairly spot on. And I think yeah. it will hopefully, let's touch every bit we're going, it will continue to be so. And I think we've just, with those two kind of maybe pushing that transfer policy, or even if it is mainly just guards, then hopefully we're going to get some more kind of unearthed diamonds in basically and um yeah i think something we just have to trust trust them for yeah and, and I've, I've, from uh yeah again the, the loan element is is you know said it's got a very limited shelf life because you're just churning out the same process season after season uh, and we'll see lots and lots of good players and I, I do think they'll get it right and i cannot wait to see the first Martin O'Connor central midfield loan signing because I can promise you they will be exactly what we need because the boy could play when he when he was obviously skipper of blues for many years came up the hard way absolutely you know just gets football and uh, while Sunic has, has probably had one of his better seasons he's he, still limited and for me the core of all of our problems just come out of a centre midfield it's just it's just not good enough, hasn't been good enough for a long, long time. Um, so I just hope he can put his personality on that. But the one thing, and it is no coincidence, with Hernandez coming in and Mengi coming in, the one consistent with those two is just raw pace. And we've been screaming out for that forever. Like, literally, I can't remember the last... Leco, he wasn't even quick because he never really... It was like he was holding back all the time. With Hernandez, he's natural and he is so quick, so direct. Keep high line to him, you are dead. And then with Mengi, even like you said, Tom, I agree. Some of his decision-making is, because he's only young, it's, it's going to happen, but he can recover because he's got pace. And we've been screaming out I, years. I, I literally cannot remember. And, and I really am... He, 
I don't, I can't, I literally can't remember somebody that's even close to it. Um, so that for, for no other reason, it just stretches teams. And I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic for us. I really do. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, anybody, I, I literally can't remember anybody with that sort of electric I'm pace. I'm trying really hard. I know if they, I mean, honestly, honestly, and this is how old I am, Simon Sturridge, that's how old I am. He was the last person that I can remember that was actually good on the ball, that was electric and always going to cause problems. We've had quick plays, but haven't really had the, the package. Whereas this lad, I mean, he's, he's the real deal. And yeah, it always should be that you sign people on loan with a view to buy if they work. That for me is what the whole idea of loan signing should be. Yeah, I think depressingly, the closest player I can think of that was a central defender with sort of, any pace whatsoever would probably be Ryan Shotton, which is a bit disturbing. Um, so, yeah, that that is really is as good as it gets. So, no, I mean, been, not, there is no one. They, we've they, never I mean, had any pace. I, I think we, you know, if anybody's sort of going to view this on YouTube, just put it in the comments. Just want a, a striker, a forward player that's anywhere near Hernandez, and the fact that if I, none of us can really think of it. Will I mean, it's, it, oh my god. Jesus, but there needs to be a level of talent in this as well. There's got to be some sort of <laughs> control. You know, we're not just after a sprinter. Uh, you've got to be able to play football as well. So, no, I'm I'm really chuffed with the business they're doing. I've got a lot of faith in the way that we structured there, and uh, I, I do. I think they'll bring somebody somebody in between now and when the window closes that I think will just top us up and yeah, get just get us over the line. But I'm with you, Tom. When everybody's back. We could go and win the last eight games of the season and it's completely and utterly pointless. It changes but, nothing, realistically. No, it doesn't. But, you know, maybe it gives him a little bit more um, collateral going forward, yeah. a bit more negotiation uh, to go forward. So, Just quickly, uh, before we move on from this topic, I've, I've developed a very short mini game for you both to play. That's good. It's oh, like a new feature for the podcast, a mini game. <laughs> okay. And... You know, obviously, we keep mentioning that word rebuild and you don't need to elaborate on this. I feel like we could elaborate on on this topic in itself on future podcasts because there's still plenty of time for the rest of the season. But for now, it's called keep or sell. I will give you a name. You merely say the words keep or sell. So just, yeah, let's go for it. We'll start with Neil Etheridge. Keep or sell? Keep. Oh, John. Keep. Keep. Oh, I didn't know if you said anything. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought you were debating. So fair enough. Maxime Collin. Keep. Keep. See, so far I've had two cells. It's okay. quite sad. I, I just want a full-on whitewash of the squad. I want them all gone. I, I just want us to. Well, what three has done is have a decent first season. Get COVID. It's a bit harsh. I, I know, but I just feel like there's this losing mentality in the squad, and it just needs to go away. Like, yeah. just come on, more, build. more. Um, right, Christian Pedersen. Sell. 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 Yeah, there we go. Definitely. There's so many you could go through. We'd be here for fucking ever. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, Ivan Sunjic. That's an interesting one. Sell. I'd, I'd, right now, we definitely wouldn't, <sighs> but I would say sell next season. I would say keep um, because I think that. I'm not saying he's anywhere near the player we thought he was going to be or maybe was when he first came to us. But he only scores bangers. Who else does that for us? Let's be fair. 
He scores. Yeah, but we always lose when he scores the bangers. <clears throat> They're unlucky bangers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, all right. That's not the point, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's just—he is one of those players who he's just running and running and running. And I think that with better players around him, I think his game gets better. And I think that you're right, there is the mentality in there, but I think there are other players from that middle of the park we should be looking at getting rid of before him, personally. Yeah, I'm not saying we'll keep him for three or four years, just for the next couple, and then maybe sell at the end of next season or something. But I just think that he's not someone we should maybe build a midfield round, because I think that should be JJ, for sure. But yeah, I just think he's just right. one of those players who he just gives you that bit of bite. And even when he came on against Barnsley at the weekend... He was just running constantly and he he might not have put in any crunching tackles, but he was cutting off passing lanes and things like that. So I would keep him for now. Fair enough. I'll I'll give you three quick fire ones. Um, Scott Hogan. Keep. Oh, John's torn. Now keep. For now, yeah. Okay, I respect that. Ryan Woods. Keep. Oh, Carl's on the fence. Now keep. <laughs> and now keep. Okay. Um, two more. Troy Deeney. I can't, I can't ignore what he's done. I still think there's more to give. I'd probably keep him, but it's been disappointing. Time is limited. Yeah. Go on, Carl. I, I agree. I think that we've not seen it. I mean, we've seen flashes, I think. You know, certainly the goal against Millwall, for example, that was fantastic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but he is a quality player and he does finish well. So, yeah, I would, again, it's something I would keep for now. And I swear to God, if the next one is Lukas Jukovic, we'll keep him. I like what anyone says. I would not dare put King Juki in the mud. I won't give anyone the opportunity to put King Juki in the mud because he really changed our team the other day. Last but not least, I suppose you could look at this from more of a loan basis, possibly, or sell him because he's a sort of an expensive asset, um, and that would be Job Bellingham. I, I think we've got to keep him. Personally. Uh, to be honest, a big believer in, in you know, if you never had it, you don't miss it. Um, I don't know how good he could be. Uh, and, it, and I think if somebody came in 15 million, I think we'd, if it was different ownership, I would really then probably want us to think about it because if we'd have a policy of reinvestment, then, like I said, it, it's a, little, a bit of an unknown. I think, I hate to say it, but, you know, JJ, there will be clubs, I promise you, sniffing around him. And for me, I've been... For a 17-year-old, Jesus Christ, I mean, fantastic. Um, second half against Preston, he's a player. Changed the game. Just by getting a bit further forward, he was doing the sort of the Sunjic busy, closing down, do me a favour role in the first half, you know. You know, if that's football, kill me now. But second half, he was absolutely fabulous. Just linking the midfield and the attack, sack it, sat in the pocket, Fantastic! Not what Chong was doing at the start of the season. He was he was tremendous, but ten million quid could come in for him, I reckon, in the summer. It could. Watch it could. I I refuse to ever part ways with Jordan James because uh, <laughs> he's my favourite player. No, I don't want, don't want him to go far from it. But so the reason I say that 
if somebody came in for same money for Bellingham or or JJ, I'd get rid of Bellingham because we don't really know. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just yeah, I think we've seen glimpses. Keep JJ. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. But anyway, that brings the end of keep or sell. Um, yeah, glad you. Hope you enjoyed the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. And uh, yeah, but you need to add to this segment the next one we do. I will. I'll create. I'll create a new it. game next week. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So just, just quickly, um, mindful of, of a bit of time. Um, just thinking about the, I think Preston, Fulham, and, and Barnsley as a collective. So three different types of performances, I think. Um, Tom, just, just I, I guess top line through the three of them. Just w- what were your thoughts? Without going into a huge amount of detail, but you know, it, it, we had obviously win, lose, and a draw. Um, thoughts? Um, I think. The, the loss was kind of expected, you know, Fulham are battering anything that's put in front of them at the moment. So I wasn't really that downhearted and we scored two nice goals. We move on. Uh, the draw, um, mm-hmm. I, I thought we were terrible for 80 minutes and then turned it on in the last 10 minutes. Um, and that was pretty much down to the three substitutions. Great to see Hogan get on the score sheet. That was the biggest positive. But I actually think we could have won the game in the last like five minutes or so. We had that many chances. But overall, throughout the course of the game, Preston were probably the more consistent side. But I, I take a point. You know, that's the first point taken from Ryan Lowe since he took over at Preston. So I think that's that's a little statement in itself, which is good. Um so, yeah, I, I think that one you could probably take a, quite a few positives from Preston. And then as for the Barnsley performance, it, the, the best way to put it is we were bad. They were a lot worse. Um, and that, that probably made us look good. I, I don't think Barnsley were completely out of the game. I thought they were well in it for, for most of the game. Uh, we, we just took our chances like we should against opposition like Barnsley. So... No, it was a big result, massive six-pointer. We can, you know, breathe a bit of fresh, bit of fresh air um, that we're not sort of concerned about that game. But there were certain players that if they hadn't featured, I think we'd have lost that game. So, uh, yeah, no, overall a positive victory, uh, but still a lot to improve on. And Carl, your, your take-out from those three? Yeah, I mean, I think Tom summed it up quite nicely. So, I'll just like, yeah, what Tom said... Um, I think it's good that Hogan scored two and three. That, you know, I think Hogan, I think we said it before, is a confidence player. And that'll, you know, I think if he misses a couple of chances, a game, his head drops, his effort dry, kind of dries up. But he's scoring and that's always good. Um, I think, you know, Etheridge kept us in the game at Barnsley, if you think about it. I mean, they could have had three before we'd even scored one. Um, but I think, you know, that's what he's there to do and he saved them well. And I think we then took our chances you know, the, the more clear-cut ones when they were there, which is something we've not done. I think Fulham, despite me trying to be clever and put a 1-0 Blues win bet down for a ridiculous amount of money, yeah, I know. Um, that, that went well very quickly. Um, I think that we all kind of thought we were going to get lose. It was a case of by how much. So I think that should be looked at as a bit of a, you know, they're battering everyone. We scored two, which was better than Reading, and we didn't concede more than six, so we'll take it. Um, and Preston, we probably didn't deserve the point on the whole 90 minutes, but the fact that we got it was a good result, I think, for me personally. Yeah, I, I, 
I think the uh, the Preston game it, it's the only real well, one of the criticisms of Bowyer too just way too pragmatic against a side that you know it's not Man City you know you you can you don't need to shut up quite as much as we did and then to have a real step in second half where we came out of our shell but it wasn't they weren't creating a ton of chances because we came out of our shell it was just we were on the front foot and that to defend more you know and I just wish at times he just just maybe get a little bit more on the front foot um but you know a point away from home is always good and as Tom said Preston were in decent run of form uh Fulham yeah I mean just we're just not ready for that. <laughs> That's the best way. We're not ready for that. I mean, to be honest, for the first time for a long time, a long, long time, I looked at this. I looked at the uh, the side an hour before kickoff, and I thought, okay, you know, it's gonna be tough, but you know, damage limitation. And I forgot we were playing. That's how much it actually meant to me. <laughs> ten to ten, I'm like. Oh yeah, wonder what, what I'm six two. Okay, cool. Um, and then Barnsley was a must win, wasn't it? And uh, you know, there was uh, some Djukovic's again, just changed the dynamic a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean that 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 bloke, Christ, he's he's done more for the for our club than. You know, the, the you Bold. know, just so well, mate. You, you, if you just take him as a influential player over the last decade, there ain't many better or, or that have done more. Because uh, you know, he started off the whole Boya regime, didn't he? When uh, yeah. he was picked, which always helps. Um, but no, I, I think that uh, fair play to him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really chuffed that he's he's got back in and uh, he's adding value, which he is. Um, which leads us, I guess, on to um, Christ aside with a worse defence than us that are coming <laughs> coming uh, thick and fast by the, on, at the weekend. So j- j- just on the game, um, just looking forward, you know, Peterborough and Derby, um, Derby in a false position, obviously, because of the, the points deduction. Um, but Peterborough, um, for me, we, we owe them one. Um they shattered our, our, our false hope um, at the start of the season when we all thought we were going to be top six. Um, and they obviously exposed our system, I think is probably the best way of putting it. And I don't think we've really been the same since. Um, so, Carl, w- thoughts on the weekend? Uh, we'll, we are, we are, we'll, we'll grab, as, as Tom's now introduced his new sex, his new section, we'll, we'll bring one back on, on the dream pick, which you can uh, throw into the mix. So just just thinking about the game, expectations, um, any major changes to the lineup from uh, from the Barnsley game, and uh, yeah, and, and round it off with the dream pick. Yeah, it's always tough, isn't it? Because it's do you do you change it up or do you stick with the winning lineup? I think for me, I would stick with what we've got. We're at home, we've won, and it was what it'll be three days, I think, past our last victory. You know that is going to continue on a high. Um, because you know, it's only a few days ago. So I would go with the same team, same starting eleven for Peterborough for me. Um, Derby, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of changes, but again, that depends on who comes back um, and things like that. I I would genuinely love to see George Hall back in the squad. That would be my dream pick for one of the two games or both. 
because I think he was really, really good against uh, QPR, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he probably did enough to to warrant that sort of, you know, uh, further experience of being in the matchday squad. So George Hall back in the squad would be my dream pick. Wouldn't change the start in 11 for Peterborough. I'd, I'd say let's go for it. You know, it worked against Barnsley. I would say Barnsley are probably on a level with Peterborough this season for how they play and how bad they have done over the course of the season. If it works against one, it's probably going to work against the other. You know, they tore us apart yep. when we tried the wing back, so let's not do that. Um, and, um, yeah, and then go to Derby. I think that whoever, that team for Derby depends on who comes back between now and then, I think. Because um, I think Graham is probably back now, isn't he? He was in the squad. Um, yeah. So I think there might be changes for Derby, but I'd keep it the same for Peterborough. Tom? Um, I echo most of that, to be honest. Um, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It's obviously slightly scary that the team we were playing on Tuesday night literally obliterated us 3-0. Pretty sure that was actually their last clean sheet. So says a lot of how bad they are, unless, apart from when teams like that play us. So, um, yeah, I'm nervous, but realistically, we should be taking three points against Peterborough. So um, I, I am going to predict us to edge it 1-0, a 1-0 victory, uh, hard fought, and I'd be happy with that. I'd take anything at the moment, to be honest. As for Derby, um, you know, they're, they're fighting really hard. And I feel like on paper, it could actually be their last game, you know, if, if things don't change the way that they're, they're heading. Um, I just think they're going to be up for it more than we will. Um, and I'm, I'd like to think we might be able to get a point, but my heart is telling me I think we'll lose that game 2-1. Um, so I've given you two predictions there. And then a dream pick for both will always be Jordan James for the rest of my life. So there we are. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for what it's worth, I, I think we will uh I think we'll have a, a, a good day against against Peterborough. I think there's uh yeah, there's a bit of payback there. I I take Pedersen out and put friend in at fullback. Uh the more I see Pedersen, the more I cannot believe he's a he's a liability for me. Um, and that's he, he just gets himself into he's so left-footed. I just it, it's beyond me how anybody that's a professional footballer can be so one-footed. And he gets into loads of trouble. He switches off. He's still got the residual Dean effect. I've no doubt about that whatsoever. Um so I, I, I'd cast him out and uh, I'd, I'd bring Friend in because I, I really like Friend. Um, really, I'm, I'm pleased Woods is back in. I think he gives us something. He hasn't been great, uh, you know, or as good as we all thought he probably would be. And I think Hernandez, Hogan and Djukovic are going to cause anybody an absolute ton of problems. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I think we're going to do a 3-1. Uh, Derby is a tougher assignment. Um, but again, it will catch up with them. It will catch up with them. Uh, I think they've been living the dream now uh, and fair play. You know, they've got themselves into position, but I think we'll do them as well. Um, I think we're getting, we're getting some really good players in. Um, and as I said, the additions have made a massive, massive difference for, for the Blues. So I think we beat them 2-1. And then all of a sudden, we, you know, we're in a, we're in a fantastic position and uh, yeah, we, we can just focus on getting as many points as we can. You know, if we can get up to the heady heights of 13th or 12th, then 
um, that we can focus on really hone in on the owners and uh, try and get some answers, I think, going forward. So uh, we will see. So um, I guess on, on that note, very positive. Um, Tom, th thank you for joining us uh, in your uh, tremendous outfit and adding a, a new segment to the to the prestige. And to be fair, mate, you could run that segment every week and we'd be buying and selling a lot and keeping and selling a lot. To be honest, we, could, we probably would change weekly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure uh, next week you'll all want to sell Etheridge after he's dropped about three. But it's now, isn't it? I there. think if we had, if we, if we had the, ironically, the lone player, if he wasn't injured, then, you know, we, I, I could quite happily sack him off. But, uh, yeah, we are where we are. And, and, Carl, thank you. Good to see you again. Yeah, always a pleasure, mate. Believe it or not. <laughs> Oh no! Well, no. Well, right. Um, put put the walls to right there, and uh, yeah, great, great to be back on. And uh, as I said, please put your comments, uh, YouTube or any, anywhere else where you're consuming this. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. That that is for certain. And uh, yeah, I think from the three of us, massive thanks to everybody that are really making the difference. You know, if nobody complains and nobody makes their voices known, then uh, nothing will change. And I can promise you. There will have been a few sleepless nights amongst a few people on Saturday. Uh, and like I said, if I know Blues, which I, I think I probably do, um, this ain't the end, it's just the start. So uh, I hope they enjoy it this coming weekend. So on that note, um, keep right on, stay safe, and uh, let's look forward to a fantastic three points at the weekend. Cheers, bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.